the theme for the afternoon teachings is are we clinging to the here and now sometimes in the reflection of the historical uh, factors of religion particularly um, here in uh, Mother India there are certain threads and themes that weave their way over the years and over the centuries and for those of you who have an interest in the old Sanskrit Pali texts you can see, you can uh, read uh, today some of the uh, dialogues that took place between uh, guru, sadak, teacher, student the kind of questions and communications that took place and in that respect with regard to the exploration of teachings and practices and the condition of consciousness actually not much has changed not in 100 years, not in 500 years not in 1000 years, not in 2000 or not 3000 years questions that women and men have on this earth if it applied a long time ago still very much apply today who am I? what matters? what is it to be human in this world? (coughs) what if anything can I aspire to? what does it mean to touch deep places? what is at the heart of all things? Is there anything at the heart of all things? And these questions, which easily get obscured, hidden, forgotten, as we get embroiled, get lost, get caught up in whatever it might be, things, goods, possessions, information, roles, identity, lifestyles, and those things which really are of real interest and that really matter, become repressed, forgotten and it's vital we find ways to bring that out the length and the body in the passage in the duration of time for us, our species has, rightly so, I would say given emphasis to mindfulness and awareness to exploration and to the here and now in that looking into things it is very very easy and understandable and it seems agreeable at first attention that there is only the now you and I have heard it probably from others with authority you and I have uh, read about it the eternal now there is only this moment you and I may have felt that that's how it is and in that kind of view very easily we take the position and that becomes the yardstick the measurement there is only the now, this is it and it would seem if we haven't looked into these things fully it would seem at first light as it were that there is some experiential evidence for it. We would say, well, I look at my experience, 
and look at what's happening for me. And at times, my uh, mind seems to uh, wander. I go to the past, intentionally, deliberately, uh, because I'm pushed into the, the past. Near past, far past, personal past, cosmic past, 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 whatever. And I can do exactly the same with the future. What's for tea? How am I going to spend the rest of my life? And all that is thought and conjecture and interpretation based on whatever. We look at all of that and we see the emptiness of all of that. And the outcome of that rather naturally and easily would be, well, there is only the now. It's confirmed my... My, my, my senses confirm this. My eyes, my ears, my nose, my tongue and my touch. It's tangible. I have a sensation of the now. I uh, experience it uh, all around me and uh, within me. And so very easily and naturally one might say, oh, there is the now, this, this is it. And this is, uh, this is all that there is. It's a view. Tread carefully, no matter whether the authority is from within or from without. Sometimes we say, well, the, ma- the now is so important, it has a uh, great power to it. Probably plenty of you will have heard of this extraordinarily successful and very fine book called by Mr. Uh, Toll. Toll, I thought. What's his name? Eckhart Toll called The Power of Now. It has been translated into 30 or 40 languages. It sold more than 2 million copies. It was published initially by a rather small publisher in (coughs) Canada. Friends who have literally bought dozens of copies and given away for Christmas and other events. <laughs> what are oh, birthdays and, <laughs> and as gifts and etc etc and it's a very those of you know of the book it's a rather beautiful book and it's uh, some fine and precious teachings uh, in it and it could from the title and some of what's there and drawing on the eastern traditions and drawing of what the Buddha said etc could once again give a strong affirmation, a confirmation. This is it, this moment. And in the taking up of the view, which you may also hear from the less than triple gem that sit up here, that in uh, taking up the view, how very easily, your own experience can confirm this, one gets attached to the now. The now become, being in the now, being in the here and now, becomes very important. And the past and the future get correspondingly less important. And when we say, well, this is really what the teachings are about. Oh, no, they are not. Hang in. And when we place an exaggerated value on the here and now, I really want to be in the here and now. I'm going to do my practice to stay in the here and now. There is only this moment. You, you, you know the mantra. And 
when that view is very strong, we will get attached to the now. It will gain a significance. We will build up its importance. And the self, the I, the me, the self, will measure itself by its capacity to be capacity to be in the here and now. We will spend a day in meditation and the postures and we will might say when we look at our experience, oh, today I was really here and now. And the self will be, feel very happy about that. <laughs> Gosh, I'm really being in the present moment. Especially at 7.30, 12.30 and 5.30. <laughs> and perhaps the rest of the day will follow in line. And we say... And then the indication of the attachment is not necessarily through the satisfaction and the pleasure, though it can be. It rather indicates itself when the self measures itself when it's not in the here and now. I just can't be here and now. I've never been here and now. I don't even know what the here and now is. <laughs> All my mind is keeps generating stuff, 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 stuff. And just occasionally something gets in through my stuff, etc. And then the mind, the self, is entering in and judging itself by its relationship to the here and now. I'm in it. Great. I'm not in it. Horrible. Or I don't know where the hell I am. <laughs> Whether I'm in it or not in it, etc. All of this is uh, an indicator. It's a pointer that the self and the sense objects called sight, sound, smells, taste, touch, etc. start to form a relationship in which the now becomes critically important. The teachings of the Buddha, 5,000 discourses, actually don't have the degree of reference to the here and now that the tradition gives to it. It isn't given a huge significance. I think there's a wisdom somewhere in this. And it would be a pity if in our exploration of life that the view and the attachment to the view is such that it's all about myself in the here and now. It would be a pity if this is the priority. Myself being measured through its relationship to the here and now. And as we know as well from our experience at times, Despite lovely titles in books, Be Here and Now, and Power of Now, and, well, sometimes it does appear from our experience the power of now doesn't seem to have much power to it because it seems to be unfailingly difficult to take a consistent real interest in it. Where is this power of now? 
<laughs> if there was such power in the now, I would be in it easily. It seems like the power is in my wandering mind. <laughs> and this seems to have a greater power than what's happening here and now. Whoa. In some traditions of the East, and here's the motherland of Dharma, India is the motherland of Dharma. The event of the Bodhi tree has to be its heartbeat. A few minutes walk away. If there is a taking of the view of holding, clinging, attachment, and the here and now being the core priority, it has to be, because life is always like this. Other views will have to come in to reinforce it. And one of those views is there is nothing you can do. It's a common view. Anyone who's spent some time in the spiritual scene will have heard this view. That any effort, any uh, striving, any uh, application of uh, strong intention is such that it's a movement, of course, of the inner life. One is pursuing a particular goal. I want to achieve something. And this movement of wanting to achieve something means that the self, in the moment, has become the doer. I am doing this to get something. I am doing this because after I've done it, I want to get Whatever. So with the view arising in this way, the view then will arise. There is nothing you can do. It's just your ego. Any practice, any meditation, any intention, any effort, it's just striving. It's just yourself wanting something which is not of yourself, not of your ego. And so people will say, I, I hear it. Oh, Christopher, there's nothing you can do. Any trying to do anything is taking you out of the moment because it's got a goal to it and the goal is not in the moment. You've got an idea, the goal is somewhere else. Hopefully this lifetime or whatever. So if we take there's only the moment, there is nothing that you can do because it's just a goal orientated if there is a doer there and if we take that as the view what's going to happen? We're just going to fall back on our miserable self. The old patterns will arise old habits nothing you do don't practice whatever you do don't practice that's doing something God God forbid it's the worst thing in the world just go on being a selfish, greedy, hopeless self, but don't practice. But if there's identification with the here and now, identification with the moment, it easily becomes. There are others will say, here in Mother India and elsewhere, 
There's nothing that you can do. It's just grace. If something happens to you, your life is transformed. If there's a sudden awakening, it's just grace. Who the hell is grace? (laughs) I've been around the Dharma scene my entire adult life. I haven't met her yet. People say to me, grace will do it for you. Well, great. Where is she? Etc. So this, this view also enters in. And in the moment this kind of uh, view enters in that it's uh, there, if the view is taken up, absolutely nothing, nothing you can do. It just happens to you. It means in that it's what, is, what, what makes that happen. It's a kind of right, biological determinism. Some will just Grace will come and blow their mind away and it's all whatever it is afterwards. (laughs) So when we listen and when we explore, it could be, and for those of you who are very ardent in your exploration and it's important to keep the spirit of questioning alive, I just wonder sometimes, some of our dear uh, Dharma teachers and friends various traditions whether sometimes people are saying I just want the fruit I just want liberation here and now I don't want to do anything about exploring how to find it because it will only take me out of the here and now so therefore I'm not interested in any seeds which will help I'm not interested in watering the plant of my humanity I'm not interested in developing and cultivating a being in a human being. I just want the fruit without anything to go before it. Well, good luck. Big time. Some people, because the inner life is so extra, extraordinary, more so than you and I realize. Some people are so extraordinarily ready what some people hardly know, hardly realize how close consciousness is to the complete fulfillment of all these Dharma teachings and practices. The self will come in with the view. Of course it will. Because if it doesn't, he won't know what to do. So it would come in with the view. But as we know, the view of you, the view of who you are, the view of where you are at, at, can vary between the beginning of a sitting and the end of a sitting. So the view can arise at the beginning of the sitting. God, I've got so far to go. It's just, I I think I should join the Tibetan Wallers. (laughs) At least they're honest. At least they say it's going to take thousands of lifetimes and millions of reincarnations. <laughs> I should go and do Nundro and do, do my prostrations. <laughs> when I first heard 100,000 prostrations, I thought the person said 100,000 frustrations. <laughs> Could be. We had one, I love it. We had one, I must take a slight diversion here. We had, a few years ago, we had one person on a retreat. For those of you who know Nando, it's a kind of preliminary to Tibetan practice. 
100,000 prostrations you'll see near the Bodhi tree a few minutes walk away. Then 100,000 mantras and 100,000 pujas. And, uh, and then even in the prostration, one might be visualizing one's guru on each shoulder or one's mother and father and you're doing a mantra, uh, etc. And there's one person, one Tibetan, who's on the way here. There's a picture of him in the newspaper two days ago who started off doing the prostration in Lhasa. Not from the Thai monastery to the Bodhi tree. In Lhasa, that is the capital of Tibet. And he's doing one prostration. When his fingers get to the end, he stands up and he's doing another. Now that is some practice. And there's somebody walking behind him with a wheelbarrow, with a bit of bread you know, Tibetan, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Tibetan bread, a couple of bits of fruit, and a blanket to sleep under at night. All the way from last. <laughs> so he's currently in Bihar, just outside of uh, Patna, and will be here in the three or four weeks. The potency of the, the, the devotion. Anyway, we had one person here, I love it, who had done the 100,000 prostrations, and then that hundred thousand mantras, and I'm very pleased, has finished it and done it. I went to see their Lama, their Rinpoche, their Guru. I'm very happy he's finished it, he's completed it, etc. <laughs> and it's no picnic, is it? And when he went there, the, he said that Lama was speaking to a few people there, some Tibetans, and he said, Rinpoche, oh, no, I've finally completed the number of these hundred thousand. And the Lama just said, do it again. (laughs) (laughs) And just carried on talking to the Tibetans. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Talk about practice of letting go. Gosh, me. (laughs) So sometimes, say, for some, there are the various practices which are taking place. There's the exploration of them. But I say, and I say again, that sometimes fruits practice may be much closer than what we think. We can start off with the sitting and we say, God, this is so hard, it's going to take me forever, etc., etc., and the self then measures it. In that way, it's such a long, hard, difficult practice. One only has to have one single good sitting, a little insight, some clarity coming in, and the view of the self, which is arising at the end of the sitting, is, wow, I feel so much closer to waking up, to liberation, to an enlightened life, to seeing the nature of things. So the self, the I, according to the conditions of feelings, perceptions and thoughts, your state of mind, will arise with the measurement. And the measurement will be, I feel close, or I feel far, or I feel on the path, or off the path, etc. I feel in the here and now, not in the here and now, etc. Just be clear about what the mind is doing. Don't make a god out of the here and now. Don't make a god out of the here and now. The Buddha, in the, shall we say, body of the teachings, uses the term 
Dite Dame. And uh, Dite is like perception, it's like view, way of looking. And Dame is Dhamma, in that broad sense of things, meaning what is happening. Understand? What is happening? Being clear about what is happening. So rather than making the here and now as some um, holy cow, which is beyond all compare, which is what happens, but it doesn't take that view. It is a, a radical departure. And he just says, Dite Dharma, be clear about what is happening. Do you understand the difference? Whether what is happening is called the past, it's called the past. Whether what is happening is called the present, it's called the present. Whether what is happening is called the future, it's called the future. Different position. It's a different way of looking. It's not giving rise to the holy cow. There are too many in India already. It's the perception of this exploration, let us say, in, uh, in this way, is vitally important from, to use a difficult word for a moment, from the place of truth. And again the shift, and we heard a little bit from Radhaji uh, uh, yesterday uh, uh, afternoon, on the two aspects to this. Rather than saying, which we can't find in the text, rather than saying the truth is the here and now. Understand? One could say, oh, um, everything is the here and now. The truth is the here and now. Therefore, to know the truth is to know the here and now. One could say that. Not in the way of the the Dharma. The Dharma is a teaching of liberation. It's a teaching free, free from any clinging, including to the present moment, and giving it power. It doesn't have it. It's mythology. More importantly, is in the field of experience that goes on in our life, the experience which arises, sometimes the truth of it is, it's difficult. Never mind yesterday, today and tomorrow never mind past, present or future just the truth of experience sometimes is difficult period this truth we're interested in the truth may be about it's connected with the present moment you may be listening right now and say oh god this guy's going on so long it's so boring and when will it be over? And they say, okay, the truth is, my experience in listening to this uh, poor Waller up the front is it's unsatisfactory. I've long lost, lost the plot. And uh, how long for tea? That's the truth of the experience in the moment. The truth of the experience could be about what was, or what will be, or what might be. So we're not making the truth the moment, you understand? We're making the the interest in the truth of the experience which will be about past, present or future or realms or states or bases as uh, Radha said yesterday will be about something. I say, what's the truth of the experience? More important. 
than the belief in the here and now. More important. Here and now will take care of itself. And the truth of the experience is the looking into it. And when the experience is difficult, when it's difficult, there are conditions which make it difficult. It's not the act of God. Conditions make it difficult. And if we wish, in the truth of our experience of something which is difficult, to see something which changes that, transforms it, dissolves it, we will need to be rather clear about what the actual conditions are. Which I'll speak about another time, another day. What are or is the condition or the cause which will make a difficult to the truth of my difficult experience? What will make the difference? And if we look, because we've got power of the looking, if we engage and it's non-theoretical, it doesn't take much to end the issue. One looks at what the issue is and looks at what is the cause, conditions that make it happen, change them and the whole thing collapses. Because every problem of life is built up on conditions. And sometimes, you know, just build a little house of cards, those playing cards. Just build a little house. You just pull out the bottom one. The whole little carefully constructed house of cards, it just collapses. We're interested in that kind of discovery more than in being in the present moment. Present moment looks after itself. In the exploration, in the taking the uh, interest in life, it can well be, again referring back to the lovely quote, did you put it on the board today, rather, of, uh, of the Buddha? If you're wandering by the notice board, have a, have a read from the quote, precious. In uh, the exploration, if there is clinging to the here and now, and therefore there be reactions to it, there be self-judgment, approval and disapproval, it has to go with the clinging. That's your signal. If the exploration is taking place, keen interest in that which is called the constructive time, past, present and future, we won't make the mistake all too human because of the messages that people like me put out, let alone anybody else here. We're making, make the mistake of making the here and now the base for everything. Understand? The quote on the board says, there is no base. Don't have a base. Don't make consciousness your base. Don't make nothingness your base. Don't make anything your base. Don't, don't make the here and now your base. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, dear. Oh, can't I cling to the here and now, please? Can't I hold on to it as the only thing that there is? Can't I be identified with it, 
with the view, this is it? Can't I take up the nice view of, there's nowhere else to go because we're already there, please? (laughs) The answer is no. (laughs) This is the school teacher. (laughs) So we look at the frame of what the view and the world that we live in. And we're not afraid, very beautiful, we're not afraid to question the assumptions that we are given. (coughs) And it's not that Christopher is offering some other one to take up. No chance. Just the questioning of the assumption. And in the questioning of the assumption, and the digging deep into it, there is nowhere to cling to. no basis to cling to. Not past, not present, not future, not here, not there, nor in between. Whoa! And not surprisingly, in your experience in the uh, lovely uh, small group this morning that we had, listening to to others, sometimes there's a kind of uh, deep... uh, intuition about this nowhere to hold, to cling, to form to grasp, nowhere there's a, there's a sense of this and naturally enough inside of us the structures that we've formed the view that we've made the reinforcement through certain dare I say ideologies in the teaching, be here and now this is it or whatever all of that suddenly can start to shake. Because it's been carefully constructed. And when that starts to shake for us, as it, as it does, of course sometimes it can generate some uh, fear and extraordinary sense of vulnerability. Extraordinary. We have to live with the shake. We have to live with life and its structures not being built on cement but houses of cards. But if we're willing, we're willing with the tremendous love of everybody to stay steady with it, something authentic comes to us. It's authentic. And what is authentic, the sense, the feeling of something is authentic, will carry truth which is liberating. It's not liberating to be here and now. Not liberating to have an ideology about it. It's an imprisonment. And the field of time called past, present and future is our servant. Is a minor presentation. But it's not what truth is. Something sent for something else. In when the structures that we've carefully built up have lost their grip with us. And this is our challenge. The great challenge. It's a beautiful challenge. It's the challenge which pays the most respect to a human being in the knowing that there is nothing anywhere to cling to. Nothing anywhere to hold on to. If we can 
live with the truth of it. Something beautiful comes out of us. Love and care and compassion and presence and appreciation for each other. <coughs> it comes out naturally, organically, humanly, beautifully. May your beings see deeply into things. May all beings live with great love and appreciation. May all beings realize that which cannot be constructed.